Well, hey, Trace, it's awesome to be with you guys uh, this morning. I love popping in and hearing what you guys are up to and um, just incredibly encouraged by what God is doing right here. Uh, some of you guys had a hard week and, and you're saying, why? Well, there was this app that got us all taking selfies and looking way, way, way older. Some of you guys look 40 or 50 years older. I don't know. Some of you guys looked 80 years older uh, from what I saw all on my, uh, right here. Uh, so I was actually feeling pretty encouraged when I saw mine, I actually did it three different times, and the first time, it's feeling pretty good, I got this. So I'm like, you know, solid, okay, I'm all right with that. Tried it again to see what I got. I was pretty happy with this one as well. I'm doing okay, you know, doing, doing pretty well. If that's me in 40, and then the last one, you know, of course, feeling pretty solid as well. So I don't know where you guys sit after this week, but I'm feeling good. Um, two years in to ministry, uh, I was pushing hard. We we're seeing God do some exciting things. I was in student ministry, and of course, I wanted to change the world. I was excited to be part of transformation in people's lives. It's incredibly exciting to see when people who have really hard things going on in their lives are seeing really exciting things, life transformation happening, life change. That's the stuff that it's all about. That's why you get into ministry. But what I realized in a moment, is that my life was dysfunctional, I was going way too fast, I was way too busy, and my pace simply wasn't sustainable. And God used that moment in my life to wake me up. I would uh, just right after that be engaged to the woman of my dreams, uh, my wife Julia, I'm now married to. And, and I had this moment where I realized that I simply cannot drag a wife and eventually kids into the dysfunctional, busy life that I was living. And in a room of this size, I know some of you walk in today overwhelmed, and you have no idea how to get whelmed again. Some of you are overextended, no idea what extended feels like. Some of you are exhausted and don't know how to live life in a steady, sustainable path. And what's crazy is that I think this ancient book has something to teach us. I think Jesus' words that were timeless are also timely today and have something to, to speak into our souls and speak life to our souls. Ever since then, it's been a journey for me that I have been on this journey. What does health and longevity look like in the different areas of our lives? I'm not just talking about physical. I'm not just talking about work. I'm not just talking about relationships. I'm talking about all of it. God speaks into all of it through the life of Jesus. Now, let me give us a little bit of context for where we're at right now. I think we're in an incredibly unhealthy time, an overwhelming time to be a human. There's a lot of anxiety out there for a good reason. Number one, right now, we value independence, I think, more than ever. This is an American value, a Western value. We value independence. Any of you like asking for help? No, me either. Going to your neighbor, and usually it's like a last resort. Like, oh, okay, I actually needed help with this project or this idea. Could you help me? That's not something that we're built for or wired for as Americans. We, we love independence. Secondly, there's just rampant unhealth in our culture. We are so overextended. I mean, running on empty in time, in finances, we're overspent in our time, our energy, our money. 
and maybe we don't even know how to get healthy again. And the last bit of context that I think is really important is this technology age that we're in. We've taken this really good thing that has promised to bring us conveniences, and sometimes it does, um, and we are living out of whack with that thing. Many of us feeling like we're dragged around some weeks by our phones, by our work, by our emails, whatever else, uh, we are living in an age of technology. And so those three set the context for today, what we're going to talk about in this idea of health. So let me start with this one thing this morning. One thing, interdependence is the path to life. Interdependence is the path to life. We're going to talk about dependence, we're going to talk about independence, and we're going to talk about this crazy, messy middle called interdependence. And again, I think Jesus has something incredibly timeless that will always matter, that will always be truthful, but incredibly timely to our culture today. So let's dig in. We are in John. This is chapter 5, starting in verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit unless it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing." Let me say that again. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be pruned, to be burned, excuse me. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings glory to my Father. Now, there's an analogy there that we don't know much about. We may do a little bit of gardening, but we're probably not vintners. He's talking about the gardener trimming the vines. And so, um, what, what is this idea of pruning? I'm going to show you some images here in a moment, but I want to read you something. Now, this is from a wine enthusiast that's kind of studied this process. And so, I want to read this to you. In the vineyard, winter is the season for pruning. The branches, once covered with leaves and heavy with fruit, are now superfluous, undesired, and they must be cut off. It's hard to imagine anything growing out of those sticks that are left. The vine looks dead. Upon closer inspection, however, we might notice a branch has not been clearly cut off at the trunk. A tiny tag of branches protrudes from the cordon. On that tiny tag are two or three fuzzy buds. These are the embryos, the promise of this year's harvest. From these buds will burst forth branches, and on these branches will hang the fruit that will make this year's wine. That's hopeful, isn't it? Like, you may feel that something has been cut out of your life that will never grow back. You may have lost something, you feel like there is no purpose in that. But there, there may be just little teeny buds, little bits of something that maybe God has done in you and through you, whether you wanted him to or not. Something you've left behind in the last season and you wonder, God, are you done with me? Are you going to do anything through that situation? That was so hard 
And there's just this little speck of hope. Just this little thing that can grow into something. Let me show you some pictures of this. So the pruning process, again, that would happen in winter. And you're saying, why would you cut away these branches that are doing so well? In our culture, we don't understand this. And then next, those little tags, those tiny tags. And she's saying, from these sticks, how can you imagine something so beautiful as grapes growing? And then, of course, the grapes around springtime that will come out in that next season. And then, of course, a glass of vino or maybe some Welch's grape juice, perhaps, if that's your flavor. God does things through pruning. Pruning is actually part of life. And the irony here, the things being cut away is actually where life is produced from. Let me read this quote. Henry Cloud says, everything has seasons. We have to be able to recognize when something's time has passed and be able to move into the next season. Everything that is alive requires pruning. Everything that's alive requires pruning. If you want a life that is dead and is stagnant and is dependent on who you were 10 years ago, then you won't have to prune anything. But if you want a life that is, is moving and living and dynamic and full of life, it requires pruning. And I promise you guys, this is good news. Some of you are only hearing bad news this morning. Things that have been taken from you or need to be cut off from your life. But the reality is this. When I look back in my life, I had to quit some things in my life. But the biggest thing that I had to quit was trying to do it on my own. I think the greatest reason for overextension and overwhelm and stress and anxiety and exhaustion and burnout in our culture today is trying to do it all including what only God can do. Trying to do it all. The surest recipe for burnout would be trying to do what only God can do. And we need to come back to a proper place of what God has wired us to do. But what's interesting as we see this passage is that we know we're actually built to bear fruit. It says that God is pleased in this, that this is what we're actually supposed to do. You're my true disciples. We are built to be fruitful. Let me say it in a different way. We're built to create. You are wired to create. In the image of God, he has wired us to create, not just to consume. Our culture tells us you're built to consume, to shop, to buy, to prime, to whatever else is the next thing. We are built to create in the image of the creator. The image of God, the imago Dei, we are to create to bring meaning, to bring wiring. Some of you through pictures, some of you through words, some of you through relationships, some of you through numbers. God bless your soul, because that is not me. Some of you in ways that nobody else can see, you are wired to have an impact. And God's built that in and baked that in to who you are. And you're to go do that in the world. And I hope you get to do that in the course of the week and in your relationships and in your friendships and in your family and in your job and your vocation. We continue, John 15, 9 to 17. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Let me stop there. Are you filled with God's joy? I don't mean like happy-go-lucky, where it's like, 
every post has to be happy and everything going in my life and life's falling apart, but you know what, it's gonna be okay. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about joy. Like, here's the joy in you when you create, when you do what God's called you. Is there joy in you in life? Is there joy in you as you, as you live out everyday life? Yes, your joy will overflow. Verse 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This is my command, love one another. So not only do we know that we are connected to the Father and it is a mark of our life when we create, and it says here, when we produce lasting fruit, is the fruit you are producing in your life going to be lasting? Is what you are doing sustainable? And secondly, we are known by how we love. You will recognize them by their love, Scripture says. Here is, is how we love the Father and how we love others. Are you producing lasting fruit? Is there fruitfulness and is there love in your life? Two markers of that. And when that is happening, what we see is a byproduct of this is joy. What's crazy though is you set out to have a joyful or happy life and you most certainly will not just have a joyful and happy life, right? Because you will consume a bunch of stuff and go, is this it? But when you set out to be fruitful, to love God, love others, there's this joy, this meaning, this fulfillment. You know that feeling when you're doing something that you're completely wired to do? And you're like, this isn't work. It, it just flows out of you. I call it the, the divine breeze. Just blows through you. That's how God has wired us to be actually creating culture, to be creating and producing new things, to be fruitful. But we want to be fruitful for a long time, right? We don't just want to do something once. We don't just want to burn out and flame out. The longer I spend around people, I figured out a lot of things over the years. But, but one thing that's curious to me, in the last few years I've realized, the people who I want to be around, number one, are wise. I want to be around wise people. People who understand how to live life well. You see, knowledge is everywhere and wisdom is really scarce today. I want to be around wise people who live wise and lead wise and lead their families and friendships. And secondly, I want to be around healthy people. I want to be around healthy people. People who know who God is and who they are and who they're not. Not the person that's pretending or faking, but the person who is exactly uniquely wired to be that. That's who I want to be when I grow up. It's wise and healthy. And when I see that, it's a vine and a branches thing. It's understanding God is the source and I can only do what I can do through God. Now, here's something I know to be true. The longer you spend with people, the more you can actually tell when they're being authentic. Another way to say it is spend time with people for a long time and who they truly are comes out. Can I get an amen? In proximity, all right, family. Uh, ever gone on a trip with somebody? And then you're like, oh, okay, that's who they really are. And they're saying, oh, that's who you really are. Also, go on a long trip and like maybe they haven't had sleep, for example. Maybe they get a little bit sick. Uh, maybe you're an introvert and you're like, why are these humans around me all the time? Why can't I escape? Earbuds will have to work for a second. Just to get away, right? We discover who we are for good and for ill around other people in proximity. 
And what comes out in that moment? Because that's when we realize, oh, that's who they truly are. Many of you guys, when you got married, you were like, oh, okay, this is what it's gonna take. You can't just like go home at night and like see you tomorrow. It's hard, right? Anything that, that, that is good in life it's hard. We have to invest in it. Jesus has some hard words here for our life, perhaps for some of the relationships that are not life-giving, perhaps for, for us in some of the areas that we have not been living rooted, grounded in the Father. John 15, 9 to 17 says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. So he's saying eventually it's going to come out. You'll see the fruit, rotten, ripe, or otherwise. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. These are hard words, but also remember the images that we see are a reminder that we can't keep doing everything that we're doing. That there are things for seasons that will be cut out. There are things that you say, but that was, that was really good, but God is in the business of crafting us for the future, of, of taking us into who we are truly designed to be. What fruit will you bear in your life? Sometimes to bear more fruit, you gotta get more stuff out of the way. And that's a hard message for us. This is Merca. We like to do a whole lot of stuff all the time. Yes, 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 we'll do it. You can't. We have boundaries. We have limits. There's this roots versus fruits. And it's an interesting thing to, to see as I get older and realize um, that as a, as a really young dude, I wanted to take over the world in the best sense, right? Not necessarily anything selfish, but like, I want to do this and accomplish this and be known for this. I want to help a whole lot of people. I want to be legendary. Nobody's like, oh, I'd like to have a small impact someday on the world. But would you be okay if God just lets you have a small impact? To get older, I go, you know what? I might be okay with that. And I see this desire for impact that hits us. And especially when we are young. What I've found is that this quote, I want to grow up and be healthy someday. No 21-year-old ever said that, right? Like, that's what I want someday. I just want to be healthy. I just want to live as God designed me. We need to hear that more. We need to think that more. We need to live that more. I just want to be who God designed me to be. I want to be a steward of that. That's hard. But as I think about impact, I think we need to be really, really careful. We live in an age of personal brands. We live in an age where bigger is better. We live in an age of followers. We live in an age of this and that that can be bigger and tomorrow you're only as good as your last whatever you accomplished. We need to be so careful. This is a countercultural message that Jesus has for us. This is Matthew 12, 33 and 34. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, he's saying to the Pharisees, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Those are hard words, aren't they? 
You know that time where something comes out of your mouth and you're like, oh, if I could take that back? Uh, I would. So occasionally I suffer, kind of have this disease called foot and mouth. You may struggle with this as well. Uh, it's an ailment that can come for all of us. And, and I sometimes want to take things back that I said. I saw that happening differently, or I meant that different than it came out, or you're just in traffic, somebody cuts you off, and something comes out of your mouth. Uh, in that moment, you go, whoa, where did that come from? The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. One word for that, Facebook. <laughs> it is crazy to me that we will hurl any comment, thought, insult, judgment at somebody because we typed it and we didn't have to say it to their face. People are watching, and that stuff's there for a long time. And the reality is this. We don't just say words that have death in them. They're coming from a death in our hearts. We don't just need to go to somebody. When I, when I say something to my kids that I have to apologize for, to my wife, to a friend, I don't just need to apologize for my words. Sorry, those words weren't right, or that came out wrong. I need to apologize for my heart. My heart is off when I say things that are off. And we like to just say, oh no, it's just something dumb that I said or just words, but it comes from here. And we know that to be true. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Guys, we don't just have an issue with words today in our culture. We have an issue with our hearts today in our culture. We need confession. We need what God brings in that. And this roots versus fruits idea, you water the roots, you get good fruit. But you don't go and you don't like water the fruit. But so many times, I think we're in the comparison business you want to know the quickest way to feel discouraged about the impact that you're having with your life compared to the impact somebody else is having with their life? Oh, surely I should be, you know, measuring up to what this person is doing. And I call comparison the creativity killer. Want to lose creativity, be discouraged, be overwhelmed and exhausted? Try to be a lesser version of somebody else by copying what they're doing. You just get a crappier version of them, that's all. That's not for you, that's for them. We gotta stop comparing ourselves and we gotta start asking God, who have you designed me to be because that's where health comes from. Only in the Father can we do this stuff. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is beautiful. For, great, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Amazing. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's great news today, is that first you're God's workmanship. You are deeply and dearly loved. You're his poem. You're his craft. You're his song that he has written. He cares so much for us. He loves us. But, but here's more good news, is that he's invited us into work. Fair question, does God need us to do his work? The answer is no. Has he invited us to do his work? The answer is yes. Parents, ever invited your kids to help you with a project? Was it easier? Please don't tell them I said this, okay? Like, our kids can still live under this illusion, right? But it's so much harder I'm not putting my finger near that hammer. No way. That kid is dangerous with that thing. But isn't it so much more fun when we get to do that project with our kids? They say, we did this. God is inviting us as a loving father to participate, but not because he needs, but because he chooses to invite us in. 
Here's good news. In, in two paradigms, is workmanship, then works. Workmanship, then works. We are his workmanship, but then he invites us to works. You ever flip that paradigm around? And it always gets weird. If we're trying to do something to earn anyone's love in any relationship, watch out. I'll do enough that someday he'll love me. I'll do enough someday that she'll love me. I'll do enough someday that he'll be proud of me. I would venture to say you don't have a relationship. You have a transaction. Workmanship then works. And secondly, identity then impact. Don't work for your identity. Work from it. Because you're dearly loved children, participate. Join God in that. Do what only you are uniquely crafted to do and kick butt at it. I think I'm going to say butt in church. I don't know. But do that really, really well. Because that's what God has designed you to do. The image of God in you. Don't compare that to what somebody else is or isn't doing. Chase impact at all costs. And I hate to tell you, but you're going to hit a wall. If you'll do anything to get it, you're going to hit a wall. Or instead of being 180 degrees off, you may be eight degrees off. It may be the slow fade where someday you say, how did I get here? How did I get here trying to earn and trying to strive and trying to work for identity, work from a place of identity? The slow fade, guys, it grieves me to watch how many people hit the wall. And God's not done with us when we hit the wall. If I would have burned out a few years into ministry, it didn't mean God was done with me in that moment. It just has a lot of consequences here on this earth. But here's what I've learned about overwhelm, stress, anxiety, burnout. Guys, burnout isn't just a work issue, a rest issue, a production issue, or a busyness issue. Burnout is an identity issue. If you believe you are not enough until you do enough, you are heading toward burnout. And I hope that summer can be sort of a call back to this. And I want to give three different paradigms this morning. And I think this is a great time for this message. Aaron is coming off of a vacation, and that's amazing. I love that churches give their leaders time to think and pray and play and have fun with their families. But there's three different ways we could view this. Number one is dependence. Dependence says this. You do it all, God. I can't do anything. You do it all. I can't do anything. I'm just going to sit here uh, well, you do what, what you're going to do. I'm not going to participate at all. That's, that's dependence. Now, complete opposite side of the spectrum is independence. And again, we fight off independence as Americans all the time. Independence says, I can do it all. I don't need your help. My friend has this great question he asks. How's that working for you? <laughs> if somebody would have turned to me two years into ministry, two years into being pastor, said, How's that working for you, bud? Because I think God's a little sarcastic to me sometimes. How's that working for you there, little fella? Uh, exhausted, tired. Hey there, Atlas. You like carrying the world on your back? Is that fun? No, not dependence, God do it all. Not independence, me do it all. There's life in the middle of interdependence. Interdependence. Because I have help, I can do this. The reality is, guys, without God's help, without God's design, without God's wiring, without God being the source of that, we got nothing. If we were to go, run through the vineyards and cut them all off right above, that would be a terrible prank, and cut them all off, you know, an inch from the ground, they're not going to live very long. And many times I think we're trying to live a life soaking in the sunlight and saying, look, there's a little bit of fruit, and wondering why we're shriveling when we are not connected to the source. Now, 
I know it's hard. I don't think it's easy. And Jesus has some words for us here. John 15, 18 to 20. If you find the godless world hating you, remember, it got its start hating me. If you lived on the world's terms, the world would love you as one of its own. But since I picked you to live on God's terms and no longer on the world's terms, the world is going to hate you. Jesus is not mincing words here, is he? When that happens, remember this. Servants don't get better treatment than their masters. If they beat on me, they will certainly beat on you. If they did what I told them, they will do what you tell them. Those are hard words, aren't they? Why, when we're struggling, is it so easy to throw up our hands and say, God, why? God, why? We see how they treated Jesus, and yet we, we have big or little things happen in our life and say, God, why? why? Why would this happen? When awesome things happen to you, you don't throw you know, your hands out. God, why? Why would you bless me? Why must this large check just enter my bank account? Why was I just gifted an extra month of vacation? Why? No, right? And if you do, you're a better person than I. I'll just say that. But Jesus doesn't miss words or mince words. There will be resistance. There will be struggle. How much more do we not only need God on our best days, we need him on our worst days? Here's good news this morning. We don't have to do this life alone. We can be interdependent on God. Love God, love others. Interdependent on community. I thought about the beauty of this as we've been around family members a couple weeks this summer. I thought, you know what? I don't know that I want to raise my kids all by myself all the time. This is pretty nice, right? Interdependence. Community, we're built for that. If you're going to go be a trace with your life and live in the image of God, you're going to need other people to come alongside of you. You're going to say, God, I can only do this because you designed me for it, because you give me the strength to do it, and because you sustain me long enough to bear lasting fruit. Please do not try to put the world or your schedule or your job or your family all on your shoulders. What do you need to quit doing on your own? I tell you what, every week I need to stop, I need to quit. I need to stop trying to carry being a dad on my own. Get to the end of my wick pretty short. I get frustrated pretty quickly. I get impatient pretty quickly. And yet, God can continue to be the source of that. I um, know that we need people around us who are also carrying this burden. I'm hearing more kingdom leaders and churches, even businesses now, inviting us for coaching and those kind of things. And what I realize is we need more voices in our ears saying this is possible. Because some of you are hearing this saying, oh, I don't think it's possible. You gotta pay to play. You gotta pay the price. If you are going to accomplish things, you have to be somewhat level of burned out or stressed. Used to say, hey, how you doing? Everybody would say busy. Now, hey, how you doing? Everybody would say stressed now. Like, what's next? Hey, how you doing? Cool, like just drowning. All right, have a great day. You know, like that's normal. Busy used to be normal. What's next after stress? But we have this podcast. I want to invite you guys to, to listen. There are more leaders than you think, more people than you think that are walking alongside and having these conversations saying, how do we live healthy? How do, how do we live with some margin? How do we become who God created us to be and not a stressed out version of somebody else. And so track along with us in this podcast. We'd love to, to have you along. It's been incredible to hear. There are leaders all over the country resonating on their way to work. They're working out, whatever that may be. But I want to leave you today with some questions. Just two questions. Two very important questions that I hope mess with you just a little bit this week. In which area have you forgotten God as your source?
In which area of life have you forgotten God is your source? Friendships, vocation, calling, job. Dadhood, momhood. What area of life have you forgotten God is your source? What do you need to quit doing on your own? What do you need to swear off doing on your own to say, God's got it. God, God invites us into interdependence. And they say maturity is in, in interdependence. When we are young, we are completely dependent on everybody else as we're little children. And then we want to be completely independent of everybody else. And the health is in the messy middle of being interdependent on God and on other people. That one thing, guys, interdependence is the path to life. Interdependence is the path to life. And I want to leave you with this beautiful reminder from Jesus and one from the Apostle Paul as well. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. Some of you are overwhelmed, stressed, heading toward burnout and just plain weary this morning. There's a promise of rest for that. And the Apostle Paul says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. You in you, that's not the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Let me pray that over us. God, thank you to invite us into interdependence. That you invite us into a life, say, love me, love others. My prayer over Trace is that these folks will leave this room and continue to be a trace of your love wherever they go, family, relationships, neighborhoods, as they work, live, and play among other people. Would there just be something different? Would you fill them up so they can pour themselves out to other people around you? God, fill us up. As we sang earlier, blow through the caverns in our soul. God, remind us that we are alive. Remind us that the path to life is interdependence. Because you have loved us, we can continue to love others. And all of God's people said, amen.